That's the secret. That's the remedy. Man, just get your eyes on the Lord and don't get your eyes anywhere else. If you put your eyes anywhere else, you'll be disappointed. I promise you that. And boy, he's worthy. I'm telling you, he is worthy today. I want you to take your Bibles this morning, if you will, and turn to the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter number 42. And I'm going to be honest with you. The Lord has changed my direction for the service this morning. I had another message that I was excited about bringing to you today. And I already had everything. I had the slides. Uh, we had the slides built and all of that. And, and all the points were in place. But I, in my heart, I just felt like our church needed a little encouragement today. And uh, so many people have went through some pretty serious burdens this week. And, and so I just, I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I'll do whatever you want. You just lead me and show me what to do. And super excited about the message that, that uh, God had given me. But uh, even yesterday, it seemed like God began to sort of change my direction. And so I'm going to dig out a message that I preached about five years ago. And I don't, I don't, do reruns a whole lot, and um, but anyway, uh, sometimes it's good to to pull something out that you've used in the past, and I hope it'll be a blessing to you. So, Psalm forty-two, this morning in your Bibles, I want to talk to you about this subject: Where is God? Where is God? Let's all stand, if you would, if you're able to stand. That is, and we're going to read several verses today. Psalm forty-two, and verse number one. As the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. That heart, by the way, was like a deer. And that's what he's talking about. Like that deer is panting after the water, needing something to drink. The psalmist said in that same way, I'm thirsty for the Lord. My soul, in verse 2, he sort of explains that. My soul thirsteth for God, for the, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Then the psalmist says, my tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with a multitude. I, I went with them to the house of God with a voice of joy and praise, with a, a multitude they kept holy day. Why art thou cast down on my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Oh, my God, my soul is cast down within me. And therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites from the hill Mizar. And deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy waterspouts, all thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Boy, you ever felt like that? You ever felt like you were just getting covered over? I, I, in fact, I, it may have been some, one of you that I was talking to when I was going down the interstate this week and I was talking to someone and I said, you know, it comes in spurts. In fact, I think I had that conversation with several people this week. Sometimes it seems like it's not one burden, but it's multiple burdens all at the same time. And that's where the psalmist, the psalmist is. He says, all thy waves and thy billows are gone over me, yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me in my prayer unto the God of my life. I will say unto God, my rock, oh yes, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me while they say daily unto me, where is thy God? And so you may be seated this morning, and I want to talk to you about that subject, where is God? Where is God? You ever, you ever been going through something and you wondered, where is God? And maybe not disrespectfully, but almost, you know, where is the Lord when I need him? Where is the Lord? And uh, I'm glad to report he's always there, by the way. And we'll get into that in just a moment. But I want to talk to you a little bit about that. And I just want to see if maybe we can just... Uh, apply some salve today to those that are hurting, some broken hearts today. And um, God, by the way, God needs no lawyer. So I'm not in here. I'm not appealing for God. God doesn't need an explanation or God doesn't need anyone to explain for him. God can do what God wants to do. But maybe this will help you. 
just a little bit today. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Ask God to help us. Father, we thank you for your blessings. And Lord, thank you for the great time that we've had together today, the wonderful music, the choir, the special. Thank you for reminding us to turn our eyes upon the Savior. And Lord, after 30 years at this church, I do know that when you get your eyes anywhere other than him, you're heading in the wrong direction. And so, Lord, help us to turn our eyes upon Jesus today and help us to realize that our God is always right and he's always fair. God, our God is always just. Our God never makes a mistake. And so, Lord, without me preaching the message and the prayer, we're going to go ahead and get to preaching. So, Lord, we pray that your son would be lifted up. We pray the Spirit of God would move mightily today, supernaturally, Lord, there could, there could be someone in this building today that has never trusted Jesus as their personal Savior. And I pray today will be the day that they'll come to know him and that he will know them. And so, Lord, help our time together this morning. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake. And all the, the Lord's people said, amen. Look, look at two verses again with me, if you would. Verse number three. Psalm 42, verse three. The psalmist said, my tears have been my meat day and night. In other words, the psalmist is saying that, boy, it just seems like the last little bit. It's all that I've done is just cry. My heart's been so broken. It's just, it's just, it's, it's uh, nonstop. That's what he's saying. Night and day, day and night. Why my tears have been my meat day and night while they continually say unto me, while they, <laughs> someone said, who is they? Somebody said, they said this and they said that. Who is they? Well, in this particular circumstance, they is the world. And he says, while they continually say to me, where is thy God? And then we notice in verse number 10, the psalmist says, as with a sword in my bones, I feel like I, I've been cut. I feel like someone has stabbed me. As with a sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me while they say daily unto me. He said they just won't, they won't let up. It's just a, it's a continuous thing. While they say daily unto me, where is thy God? And so the psalmist is going through a very, very difficult time here. Some have suggested that Psalm 42, that in Psalm 42, that David has been ousted from his kingdom. Now that's bad enough. But historians tell us and scholars tell us that probably this is a psalm that was written when David was ousted by his own son Absalom. And so it's not just the fact that someone has, has uh, kicked David out of the kingdom and off the throne, but it's his own son. His own flesh and blood has risen up against his dad. And not only has he risen up against David, but now Absalom seeks to kill his own father. He's seeking to kill David and those that are close to him. In fact, if you go on and study this Psalm, Psalm 42, if you study it out a little further, it even goes past that. Now, some believe that David is talking about some of his most trusted friends that were his, uh, uh, some of his closest confidants while he was on the throne and some of those trusted friends have now turned their back on David. He's forced away from his own house. David's no longer sleeping in his own bed. He's not sitting in his, on, his, on his throne. And by the way, it was his throne. It was given to him by God. And he's no longer seated on that throne. And we find here in verse number four that David is no longer able to attend the house of God like he once did. He's very disturbed about that. You'll notice in verse number four, he said, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. He said, for I had gone, past tense, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise. David said, I remember those days when we used to go down to the house of God and we used to go down to the house of God together and we enjoyed that fellowship and we enjoyed that camaraderie. David said, but now I'm, in a, I'm at a point in my life where all of that has come crashing down. In fact, we find in Psalm 42 that David feels like all of his problems have come to the point where maybe they're just completely overwhelming. You'll notice in verse number seven, 
David says, deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are just, they're gone over me. David said, I just, I, I feel like I'm drowning. Well, I just wonder if anybody relates to that. I got a feeling there's quite a few. You've been in that day where, boy, everything was going great and you were footloose and fancy free and everybody was healthy and the bills were paid and, man, you were able to come to the house of God and the car was running well and, I mean, everything was great. And then all of a sudden, you woke up one day and it's like the bottom fell out. And you've been trying to serve the Lord and you've been trying to sing in the choir and you've been trying to be faithful and you've been reading your Bible and you've been giving your tithe and all these things and then all of a sudden, it just seems like you get up one day and Everything's just went to pot. I mean, everything's just, uh, everything has just fallen apart. And by the way, and then to sort of heap coals on that, sometimes the world that you work with or you go to school with, when they know that you're going through a battle, they know you're going through a turbulent time, sometimes the world will come up and then they will say, where's that God you're always talking about? You're always bragging about him, how good he is and how gracious he is. And you just lost a loved one. Where's God? I mean, your house just burned down. And you talk about God is good. Well, friend, I'm going to tell you, if your house never burns down, God is good. But if your house burns down every day, God is good. God is good. Nothing changes about that. By the way, it's important that when we're going through those battles and we're going through those struggles, and boy, the Lord is confirming we're on the right path today. I, I believe that beyond a shadow of a doubt. Uh, when you're going through the battle, it's very important that you and I stay consistent with our testimony because that is especially when the world's looking on. Yes, they are watching you from day to day when you go into work and you bring your Bible or you've got tracks in your pocket or your purse or, uh, or maybe you bow your head and, and, and give thanks for the food before you eat or whatever the case may be. You may not be preaching at work, but you're just living that consistent Christian testimony and, and you say, preacher, I don't, I don't think they're paying any attention. Oh, they're paying attention. Oh, they're watching. They know when you go to church. They know when you leave. They see the car's not in the carport anymore. And so the world is watching, but I'm just saying this. But my dear friend, when the storms of life comes and the battles come and the bottom falls out and they know that you just came from the funeral home or they know that you just came from the doctor's office or they know that, that you're in the biggest valley of your life and yet you're continuing to live for God. Let me tell you something. That's when the world is really, really paying attention. But somebody says, Pastor, that's, that, that's me. I'm, I'm going through the, 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 the deepest valley that I've ever been in. And, and I've prayed. And I've asked God to, to show me what's going on and why he's let this happen. And, and I'm going to be honest with you. I want to know something. Where's God at? Where is God? Let me tell you where God is today. Just some very, very simple, simple things that I want to give you this morning. How about this? Number one, positionally, God's in heaven. Positionally. God is in heaven. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 30, verse 27, uh, uh, then the priests, the Levites, arose and blessed the people, and their voice was heard, and their prayer came up to his holy dwelling place, even unto heaven. The Bible tells us in Psalm 115 and verse number three, but our God is in the heavens. He has done whatsoever he has pleased. And so God, positionally speaking, God is in heaven. And I just want to say this, that if you and, uh, you and I ever want to be in that position with God, it, there must be a new birth. There must be a change. There must be uh, something that takes place. First Corinthians chapter six, verse number nine says, know you not that the unrighteous 
righteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And so, uh, again, I, I'm just hitting this and going to the next point. But positionally speaking, God is in heaven. And if you ever want to be in that same position where God is, you're going to have to come to a new birth. I mean, you've got to be what the Bible calls born again. That's not a Baptist phrase that, uh, that Baptists have coined, born again. That's a Bible phrase that the Lord Jesus Christ preached himself. That if you are going to be in heaven with God, you must be born again. Now you say, hey, preacher, I'm a good person. Wonderful. That's great. But you've got to be born again. You say, pastor, I'm a charter member of Calvary Baptist Church. That's great. But you must be born again. You say, pastor, I'm a good citizen. I'm a good community uh, a leader. I get involved in social programs. I give to all these charitable organizations. That's wonderful, wonderful. But I'm just telling us this, that if we're going to be in the position where God is, ye must be, ye must be, ye must be born again. You say, Pastor, I don't like that. Well, I can't help it. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ said himself. In John chapter three, verse number seven, Jesus said, marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. In Luke 13, verse three, I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. And so positionally speaking, if we're gonna be with God, it's only through Jesus Christ. That's the only way that you'll ever get there. And so positionally, positionally, God is in heaven. Theologically, and we touched on this this morning, but theologically, God is everywhere. God's everywhere. Uh, Proverbs chapter 15, verse number three. The Bible says, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. It's what we call the uh, omnipresence of God. Isaiah 66, one, thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool, is what he said. In Jeremiah 23, in verse number 24, the Bible says, Can any man hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do not I feel heaven and earth, saith the Lord? And so, uh, theologically speaking, God is everywhere. He's everywhere. Now, you say, Pastor, is that important? It is important. There was a young man that was, uh, that was just, had a hatred for God and and didn't want anything to do with God. I don't know what kind of experience he had, but he just had some kind of a, 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 a bad experience and he just didn't want anything to do with God. And so he was just doing his best to try to get away from the Lord. And so he went down to the local park, you know, and, and, and while he was down at the local park, there were two old ladies and they were uh, sitting on one of the park benches down there just feeding the pigeons and the squirrels. And yet they were having a conversation against God. And he said, man, I wish I could just get away from all this talk about God. So a little bit later that day, he went to the grocery store and he was going down the aisle and there were two ladies there with their shopping buggies and they had stopped and met just for a moment and they were just talking about the goodness of the Lord. And he said, I hate that. Man, I just want to get away from people that are talking about God. And so he finally came up with this idea and he said, I'm going to, I'm going to get on a ship. And he said, I'm going to get on the ship. I'm going to go out to the middle of the ocean. And sure enough, if I do that, I'll get away from God. And so uh, he secured passage on a ship. He got on that ship. He went to his room. He got out in the middle of the ocean and he realized that on this ship, they were having a Christian convention and uh, everybody was talking about God. I mean, everywhere you went, they were talking about God. And, uh, and he said this, I just want to get away from God. And somebody said, I've got an answer. Go to hell. You see, God, theologically, God is everywhere. But I want to talk to you a little bit more and a little more personally today. How about this number next was this personally. My God is above me. I want you to take your Bibles this morning, if you will, and turn to the book of Isaiah. All oh, the great book of Isaiah. Isaiah 55 in your Bibles. And when you find your place, would you look for verse number seven? Can I show you a wonderful truth this morning? Isaiah 55 and verse number seven. You say, Pastor, I'm going through a burden right now. My heart is broken. Preacher, where is God? Let me tell you where he is, folks. He's above you. Isaiah 55 and verse number seven. The Bible says, let the wicked forsake his way. And the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Look at verses 8 and 9. The Bible says, God says here, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, 
Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. You know what God Almighty is telling us, church? That he's above us. He's above us. And someone says, Pastor, something has happened in the last little bit. I don't understand. I don't understand why God would do this. I don't understand why God would allow this to happen. Listen, it's very important if you and I are going to have the right perspective and have a sweet spirit, it's very, very important that we keep in mind that God is not on the same level we're on. Our God is so great. By the way, we had this conversation after Sunday school. You're never going to get your mind completely wrapped around him. I promise you that because he's greater than that. But God is above us. Did you know that height makes all the difference in the world? Did you know if you're really, really high, you see things differently? And if you're really high, it changes your perspective altogether. He said, Pastor, what, 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 what were you talking about? Okay. And this has happened numerous times and probably happened numerous times to you. My wife and I are getting ready to fly somewhere and, and we get up that morning, pack our bags and it's rainy and foggy. Just a messy day in North Carolina. A little bit, not, not raining hard, just a sort of a drizzle. And there's fog, and, and we're thinking, man, I hope they don't cancel our flight. Or I hope we don't get delayed. We go down to Charlotte Douglas Airport, and we get down there, man, it's still just cloudy and foggy. Just sort of a dreary day, dark, gloomy. We, uh, we, we check our bags and we, we, we make our way through the TSA and, and, uh, and they tell us where our gate is. We go down to the gate and, and we get down to the gate and we look out the windows. They're still just as gloomy as it's ever been. I mean, just a, just a messy, messy day. A little bit later, they come over the loudspeaker and said, we're, we're going to start boarding. We pick our things up and we get on that plane and they get everybody checked in, the door closes and that pilot begins to back that plane away and and he says we've been cleared for takeoff and we get on that runway and man he begins to put the pedal to the metal and that old, the nose of that plane starts lifting up and you start sinking back into your seat and it's not but just a few seconds and as that plane climbs and climbs and climbs just for just for a little bit all of a sudden, the gloominess goes away. And the clouds are gone. And there's no rain. In fact, it's nothing but beautiful sunshine. As far as the eye can see. And puffy white clouds. And I mean, man, it's just absolutely, it is gorgeous. It's just, you look out there and you think, wow, what a creation. What a beautiful day this is. Now, wait a minute now. When we were on the ground, it was dreary and rainy and foggy and gloomy. But when we got up higher, you know what? All of a sudden, it's a beautiful, beautiful day. And I know sometimes when the burdens of life come, we look up to God and we say, God, that's ugly. God, that's dreary. God, that's gloomy. God, I don't understand why you would let that happen. That doesn't look good. I don't like that. And God says, yeah, but height means everything. And what you cannot see, I can see. And your thoughts are not my thoughts. And my thoughts are not yours. And my ways are very high above you. But I'm telling you, church, you can rest assured in this, that God has a perfect plan. And by the way, aren't you glad that when you can't track him, thank God you can trust him. You say, preacher, it doesn't make any sense. I don't understand. I, I, I don't understand what's going on. But thank God, thank God you can trust him. Listen, these are all old illustrations, but I just want to come in here and just see if I can just, uh, just try to help somebody and encourage somebody because sometimes the burdens of life come on pretty strong. And, and if we're not careful, we'll, we'll start questioning life and we'll start questioning God. You've heard my story. My pastor Brother Howells, years and years ago, grew up in, in a ghetto, really. Daddy was an alcoholic. In fact, a little later on, he was still a young kid. His daddy forsook him and left him, and it was just him and his mom. And Brother Howells said that his mom, at night, she worked at a cafeteria during the day, and uh, just really for pennies, and, and uh, they were just as poor as poor could be. I think he said he was 13 before he ate his first cheeseburger, and just... You know, just poor. I mean, poor, poor. 
And he said his little mama at night when she'd come home, she would sit over in the rocking chair and she would cross stitch. And Brother Howes is a little boy would run over and his mom would be cross stitching. And you ladies know that on the bottom of that cross stitch panel, uh, it doesn't have any sense or order. It just looks like a bunch of threads and colors and it just looks like it's all mangled up together. And he would run over there and he would look up and he would say, Mama, what are you doing? Mama, you're making a mess. And she would say, Honey, you're running along. Leave Mama alone. And let mama do what she's doing. And a little bit later, I'll let you come back and see what, what, what I'm doing. And, and so he would run off and play for a little bit. And then like kids do, he would run back and he would say, mom, what are you doing? That's ugly. Mama, that's ugly. What are you doing? That's ugly. And he, she would say, honey, now listen, listen to mama. You go on and run on now and, and, uh, and let mama do what she's doing. And a little bit later, I'll let you come back. And that happened several times. And, and after a little while, she would say, uh, Jack, come over here, come over here. And she would take him just a little guy. She would take him and she would put him up on her, uh, on her lap and uh, Brother House said that you know what what looked like a mess from underneath what looked like a mangled bunch of strings and threads and it made no sense and it looked all confused he said what looked like a mess from underneath he said totally changed from mama's lap he said from mama's point of view it looked like a beautiful sunset or a beautiful rose in bloom uh, but the perspective made all the difference in the world and sometimes Calvary sometimes we go to God and we say God I don't get what you're doing it doesn't make any sense and you're not right and that's not fair and I've tried to do this and I've tried to serve you and God says child you just run on along oh yes good neighbor and just keep on serving me and keep on loving me and keep on winning souls and keep on preaching the gospel and keep on raising your family in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and we, and we do don't we we don't trust and we run back and we say God I still say you're making a mess and I don't understand that and God says child you just trust me just go on go on keep serving me keep going to church, keep singing in the choir, keep going to Sunday school, keep doing what you're doing, keep doing what you're doing. And I'm telling you, my dear friend, one of these days, one of these days, when we see it from God's perspective, what looks like a mess down here, I'm telling you, God Almighty has a perfect plan. Amen. My absolute favorite poem. My father's way may twist and turn. My heart may throb and ache. But in my soul, I'm glad I know he maketh no mistake. My cherished plans may go astray. My hopes may fade away. But still, I'll trust my Lord to lead. For he doth know the way. Though night be dark and it may seem that day will never break. I'll, I'll pin by faith my all in him. He maketh no mistake. You see, there's so much I cannot see. My eyelight far too dim. But come what may. I'll simply trust and leave it all to him. For by and by the mist will lift and plain it all he'll make through all the way, though dark to me. Thank God he maketh no mistake. All of our kids are grown and gone. They're all married and gone, got their own kids now. Years ago when Hannah was at the house, when Hannah was still with us, Hannah loved, loved, loved to watch the Thanksgiving Day Parade. And so, custom around our house, we'd get up early. Family's usually coming over later in the day. We'd, we were already, my wife's already preparing the night before. And so that morning, we're up carving turkeys and we're getting stuff, getting stuff ready, but she always wanted us to have the parade on. And so we would turn the parade on and we'd try to watch the parade the best we could while we're trying to get prepared for family. And one day as we were watching the parade, I noticed that, uh, of course, they had the folks on the street that were interviewing, telling about the floats as they were coming. Here comes this float. And then all of a sudden, the camera view changed completely. And it went to a camera in a helicopter. And the helicopter was beaming down on the Macy Day Parade. And you know what I noticed? The people who are on the street can only see one or two or three floats coming. But the people in the helicopter could see the whole thing. And you know what, folks? We're street level. That's the best we can do right now. By the way, that's going to change. But we're street level. And sometimes, sometimes things come in our life and we're like, 
Preacher, I wonder what's going to happen. I don't know, but I do know this. God knows exactly what's going to happen. And so, understand, somebody says, Pastor, where is God? God is above us. Romans eleven thirty three. 33, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. And then that classic, wonderful verse that's already been referenced this morning. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. And to them who are called according to his purpose. Where is God, preacher? Number one, God's above us. But let me give you this last point and thought. Number two, my God is not only above me, my God is before me. Deuteronomy 1 and verse number 30 says, The Lord your God which goeth before you. John chapter 10 verse number 4 says it like this. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them. Oh. Man, did y'all get that? John 10, 4. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them. And the sheep follow him, and they, for they know his voice. Preacher, what's going to happen tomorrow? I have no idea. We cast vision last Sunday night. <laughs> Whether we'll ever make it there, I don't know. I don't know about tomorrow, but I've got great news. I know who does. And we used to sing that song at our church years ago. There are things about tomorrow that I don't seem to understand. But I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who holds my hand. Hey, Calvary, simple thought, I know, but he's before you. He's before you. Now you say, Pastor, okay. How's that supposed to comfort me? He's before you. So, I think it was last uh, Sunday night after Vision Sunday. We're just, a lot of folks have left. We're just here in the church fellowshipping, and a few folks are uh, hanging behind. And my, my wife's phone rang. We have several of our people who live in the Statesville area. My wife and I live in the Statesville area. And uh, pretty much every time we go back and forth, we take the interstate, and we're getting ready to go. And, and my wife's phone rings, and Miss Jennifer, I think it was, she called my wife and she said, Listen, there's been, a, uh, there's been an accident, and the interstate is shut down. And she said, y'all probably need to find another route, which, by the way, we did. Now, you know how Jennifer was able to give us that great advice? You know why? You know why? She went before us. <laughs> she, know what was, she knew what was coming. Did you know that God's got the grace you need? Yes, man. Did you know that God's got the comfort that you need? You say, preacher, how can you be sure? He's already there. He's already before you. Somebody says, pastor, old pastor, do you think? I, I mean, I'm going through this thing, and do you think that God has the answer? Yeah, he's got the answer. You know why? He's already there. He's already there. He's already before you. And he's got the answer, and he's got what you need, and he's got the grace you need, and the comfort that you need, and the help you need. He's got the wisdom you need. He's got exactly what you need. Hey, remember that story over in the book of Daniel, where the Bible talks about three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Uh, they were slaves. They were really Hebrew slaves brought into Babylon, and they had been promoted to a great place of leadership, but there were wicked men in the kingdom. And they convinced, you know, they, they talked to the king and the king came over this plan and he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, erect this big golden idol, probably look like him. And he said, when everybody hears the music play, everybody's going to fall down and worship this golden idol. And sure enough, man, they put that idol up and, and uh, the king got all the people together and the music began to play and all, man, all of Babylon whew, fell down before this idol, all except three. And there were three young men who wouldn't bend, they wouldn't bow. And the Bible says that the king called them in and, and he said, here's the, here's the thing, fellas. He said, I'm going to give you another try. He said, I'm gonna, we're going to play the music. And he said, when I play the music, he said, you're going to fall down and worship for this God. And if you don't do that, we're going to throw you into a burning, fiery furnace. And those three Hebrew children said, said king, said, we want you to be it known unto you that our God will deliver us. But if not, 
We're not going to bow before your God. Oh, the king was infuriated. In fact, the Bible says that he heated up the furnace seven times hotter than it had ever been heated. In fact, the Bible says the men who carried Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and threw them into the fiery furnace were killed themselves because of the heat. And they threw those boys into the, into the burning, burning furnace. And a little bit later, when the heat died down and you could get close enough the king came over, maybe, maybe expecting to see some charred bone remains or maybe some ashes. And the Bible says when he came over to the burning fiery furnace, the Bible says there were not three walking around. Come on now. He said, I thought we threw three men in. But he said, I, yes, he said, I see four. And he said, the fourth is like the Son of God. You say, Pastor, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. Hey, Jesus was there before they ever got there. And I don't know what you're going through. And I don't know what your burden is. And I don't, know the, I, I don't understand all of the valley that you're going through. But I got great news. He's before you. He's before you. Deuteronomy 31, 8, and the Lord, and the Lord, he it is that goeth before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not. Deuteronomy 31, 8. Well, somebody ought to put that, that one to memory. How about Isaiah 45, verse number two? I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass and cut in sunder the, the bars of iron, we're done. Charles Spurgeon said there's no attribute more comforting to his children than, than that of God's sovereignty. Under the most adverse circumstances in the most severe trials, they believe that sovereignty has ordained their afflictions, that sovereignty overrules them, and that sovereignty will sanctify them all. There's nothing for which the children ought to be more earnestly contend than uh, the doctrine of their master over all creation, the kingship of God over all the works of his own hands, the throne of God and his right to sit upon that throne, for it is God upon the throne whom we trust. He's before you. This has been a long, long time ago, many, many, many years ago now. My wife and I were heading to Indiana. And uh, there's several different tracks you can take. We used to go through Knoxville, Tennessee, and, uh, but on this certain trip, we were going through Cincinnati, Ohio. And I remember the night, that, and we were driving late. It was late at night, and it was like the day I was talking about a while ago. It was just, it was dreary, it was rainy, it was foggy. And man, we're North Carolina natives, and we didn't know anything about Cincinnati, Ohio, and it's busy, and it's a lot of traffic, and and we're going down the interstate through Cincinnati. And, and on top of that, they're doing construction everywhere. I mean, there's barrels everywhere, construction barrels and blockades and all that kind of stuff. And, and my wife's nervous as, as a, a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. I mean, she's nervous. I'm nervous. We're both on edge. And when she gets nervous like that, she'll say, Can you see? Can you see? <laughs> I'm like, no, honey, I'm closing my eyes. I, yeah, and uh, <laughs> can you see? And I could, but I couldn't see much. I'll be honest with you. Man, it was just, it was, it was a mess. And we didn't know when the road was gonna turn and when the, we didn't know. And so I just told her, I said, here's what I'm gonna do. I said, I'm just gonna pull in behind this big old 18-wheeler and I'm gonna follow him. And that's what we did. And sure enough, you know what? He couldn't see either <laughs> because all of a sudden, evidently one of those barrels was sticking out a little further than it was, and he, boom, he hit that barrel, sand went everywhere. You say, what happened? We just kept on cruising through. <laughs> yes, you know why? His bigness cleared the way for us. Pastor, but I'm going through something really serious. Well, I got great news. His bigness can clear the way for you. H.G. Spafford, some of you know that name, H.G. Spafford. His business had all, almost been wiped out by the great Chicago fire. They had already planned, he and his wife and the girls, they had already planned on going to England for not only for a vacation, but they were going to go to England. He had been following 
D.L. Moody and uh, Ira Sankey. And so they were going, going to go to England for sort of a vacation, but also they were going to help out in the crusade, uh, one of the Moody crusades over, uh, over in England. And so recovering from the fire, and so he told his wife and his girls, he said, listen, here's what I want you to do. He said, I don't want you to wait on me. He said, I want you to go ahead and, and go on. And he said, we're going to put you on a ship. We're going to send you on over, let you get settled. And he, he said, just as soon as I get a few more things arranged here, he said, I'll, I'll be there just as soon as I can. And he said, we'll meet up and we'll have a holiday and a vacation and we'll get involved in the crusade. So he went down to the shipyard and they, he put his wife and his little girls, he put them on the ship. And uh, this was before the days of cell phones and even phones and things like that. And days and days and days passed. And rumor began to spread that the ship that they were on had, had sunk. And sure enough, word was confirmed, the ship had sunk. And so H.G. Uh, Spafford was waiting for word, any kind of word, any kind of word and finally, a telegram came, and this is what it said. It came from his wife, and this is what it said. Two words, saved, alone, saved, alone. In other words, honey, I survived, but I'm the only one without the girls. H.G. Spafford got on a ship and he told the crew, he said, I'm just going to stay in my room. And he said, I don't really, I don't care about you bringing meals. I, I'm just going to stay in my room. But he said, I, I do have a request. He said, when we get to that place where the ship went down, he said, I want someone to come and get me. And so when they got to that point in the Atlantic, someone came down and they knocked on the door to Mr. Spafford's room, and they said, sir, we're here. And H.G. Spafford walked up on the top of that ship, the bow of that ship, and he looked over into those icy waters of the Atlantic Ocean, wondering why. And God began to speak to his heart. And H.G. Spafford went back down to his cabin, and he wrote a poem. It wasn't music then, but he wrote a poem, and it went like this. When peace like a river attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. Man, it'd be a good day, wouldn't it? If we got to that place in our Christian life when burdens came and valleys came and we could just stop and say, Lord, I don't understand, but it is well. It's well with my soul because I know you have a plan and he does. Father, Thank you for this time we've had together. Lord, thank you for changing my direction. Thank you for letting me come up just a little while today and just brag on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And Father, I pray that we've said something that's helped somebody or encouraged somebody. Lord, I don't have to say there's a chance because it's not a chance. It's a fact. We've got some folks that are going through the fire right now. Lord, it's been a tough week for a lot of people, a lot of people. Hearts are broken. And Father, there's probably been some folks that have come into the prayer room and said, Lord, I don't understand. You're not making a lot of sense right now. Lord, I can't track you but I'm willing to trust you. And our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I wanna ask just a question or two and we're gonna have invitation. How many are here today? Hey, you don't have to wait. If you wanna come on, you come on, that's fine. How many are here today? Say, Pastor, 
If I died today, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know that I'm saved and I'm going to heaven when I die. That born again, you talked about being born again, I've been born again. If that's you, you'd slip your hand up right now. Pastor, I know that I'm saved. Praise the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? You can lower your hands. Let me ask you this one, though. Is there one here today, anywhere, who would say, Preacher, if I died today, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. I want to go, but I'm not sure I would. And I want you to remember me this morning. Now, come on. Let's be honest. Let's be honest today. Pastor, if I died right now, I'm not 100% sure that I would go to heaven. Would you pray for me? If that's you, if that's you, right now, would you slip your hand up right now and let me pray for you? I see that hand. Is there another? Come on, let's be honest. Pastor, if I died, I'm not sure about heaven. Would you pray for me? Is there another? Anywhere? Anywhere? Can I pray with you? Can I pray for you right now? Can I pray for you? With heads bowed and eyes closed, how many are here this morning would say, Pastor, maybe you knew, maybe you didn't even have a clue, but I'm going through something right now, and maybe I've not told anybody else about it, but I'm going through something right now, and I need tons of prayer. We're not exactly sure what to do, don't know which direction to go. But preacher, would you pray for us that we'll trust him, that we'll trust him. And if that's you this morning, with heads bowed and eyes closed, you just slip your hand up right now. You'd say, Pastor, it's me, it's me, it's me, it's me. Yep, yep, wow. A lot of hands, a lot of hands all over the house today. Thank you, you can lower your hands. I don't know this is the case, it may not be. But it could be there's somebody here today and something has transpired in your life and, and uh, you got mad at God. And you said, God, that's not right. That's not right. And you got sort of angry at the Lord. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to do something bold today. I'm going to ask you in just a moment to make your way down to this altar and say, Lord... Forgive me for getting angry. And Lord, would you give me the grace I need to get through this valley? Hey, church, let's just mind the Lord today. Would you stand with us all over the house this morning? Father, I do believe you've met with us this morning. Thank you for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, right now, I pray that you would help folks to, Lord, to come. If that's your will, I pray you'd help them to come. If you're dealing with hearts, I pray they'll come. Lord, if there's somebody here that has a, a, a spirit that's indifferent against the Lord or whatever it might be. Father, maybe there's someone here this morning and a, a storm came and Lord, they lost their joy. Lord, they lost their shout. Today, Lord, I pray you'd give them their joy back. Father, maybe there's someone here today that just needs some healing or maybe there's someone here today that just needs someone to come beside them and pray for them, then I pray you'll help them to come. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I'm gonna ask our personal workers to make their way to the front for me if they would. We have some fellows up here with Bibles in their hands and if you have a need, uh, any kind of a need at all, listen, we would love to help you. We've got a Bible, We, we, we can pray with you. Folks are coming, folks are getting some help, amen. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Hey, would you come? Would you come? Oh, thank God I can trust you. Man, when the way looks dark, when I can't see where I'm going, thank God he knows. He knows. And he's never left me. He's never forsaken me. Boy, thank God he's got a plan. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. How about it? Are there others that need to come? Preacher, if I just had somebody to pray with me, they're here. We'll pray with you. Preacher, I need to be saved. Come on. Run. Don't wait. Run down this aisle. Come to Jesus while you can. If you're watching by way of the live stream, man, we're so glad to have you watching today. And if you're watching this broadcast and you've got a spiritual need,
There's a number on the bottom portion of your screen, 704-327-5662. And we have some folks that are, that are sitting right by the phone right now. And they would love to talk with you. If you've got a need, listen, would you call us? Would you call us? Brother Pope, I need to be saved. Wonderful. Why don't you call? And we'll tell you what that's all about. We'll tell you how you can know Christ as Savior. Preacher, I've got a heavy, heavy burden. Maybe this is the first time you've ever watched. And you say, Pastor, I've got a heavy burden. Why don't you call us right now? Call us. And we'll pray with you. We'll walk through that valley with you. church let's sing this chorus and we're going to go listen some folks are still getting help if you are here this morning and there's a need come on don't wait don't wait and uh, we've got some folks up here that would love to help you and uh, we'd love to do that let's sing this little chorus together as a church amen I can trust Jesus sing it out now I can trust Jesus. He never once has failed to meet my need. Sing it now. Here we go. He is my strong tower. The strength in my weakest hour, I can trust Jesus. He takes care of me. Keep playing.